The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy and Money this evening on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen, wherever and whenever you listen to our program, thank you so much for tuning in. And you can always be a part of our show by following both of us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at Nick of Ebray. This is Andy Alfred, the host of All Andy Alfred, and tonight is a special edition of All Andy Alfred. We reconnect with my good friend and my old broadcast partner, Nick the Money Man DeVera, as we talk all things MLB baseball as well as NHL, a little bit of the NFL, as well as some video game news and notes right here on All Andy Alfred tonight. And of course, you heard the intro. This is Andy and Money. It is a reunion show of Andy and Money tonight right here on the Anchor Network. So without further ado, let me get chimed in here and let's bring in and give you the intro to Nick the Money Man Devera. After a long while, we finally have a guest on All Andy Alford tonight, of course, but it is a familiar face that you all know, of course. He is the one and only, my cousin, of course, the man, the myth, the legend. Yes, yes, I know I hear you clapping and cheering in your background as you're clapping and cheering as tonight's special edition of All Andy Alford. We welcome in my old broadcast partner, Nick, the money man to Vera. Nick! Good evening to you. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for coming on, you know. And, you know, the thing is, you know, you've been calling me out lately on Twitter. And, you know, after the the whole situation with what I ran it on last week, you know, I knew I had to have you on the program to what happened last week between the Indians and the White Sox. And I said, you know what? You know, it's time. It's time to do a redo. It's time to do a redo. You know, bring bring them on in. Bring them in. You know, our schedules have always been conflicting of doing a podcast and everything like that. It's just finally good to have you on the program tonight. Well, it's certainly great to be back. I, uh, I, I kind of feel like I'm the, uh, the, uh, the Steve Stone of podcast. Uh, <laughs> Podcast guests. So. Well, then, what, well, then, what am I? The Chip Carey of of of, of broadcasting? Then, uh, I, you, I'd say no. You're not a Chip Carey. I, you're not Harry. You're more like Skip Carey. Skip Carey. Okay. Yeah. All he right. Used to be the TV guy. Remember before? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I felt like I was more like the Chip Carey of everything, and since Steve, since. Chip and Steve worked together with the with the Cubs back in the back after Harry Carey passed away. But you know, I I I, I digress. You know, it, it's good to have you back, and you know, this puts away the gabosh for people that you know I've talked to off air. That you know that you and I had like a big falling out. That you know that you and I like got into a huge argument and stuff like that. Let me just say this: this shows that me and you. We're cool. We're good. It's just conflicting schedules when it comes to things like that. Art of the old sh- of the old show. It's just great to have you on the show tonight, and you know, pick your brain for a while 
because you know a new a new voice because I think everybody's sick and tired of hearing me talking all the damn time. Yeah, and you know, I getting get back to your point about me, me calling you loud. Uh, I have to admit, to be to be fair, I, I'm usually a big listener of your show during the football, the NFL season, because I love I love your recaps. And I like hearing your predictions, and I like that you say the G man, the G man. And then you'll say, let's say Baltimore's playing the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. And I always enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I listened to your show, it was, was it Monday? Yeah. Monday was it texted you? And yeah. And said, look at this guy calling out La Russa. Maybe I tweeted you or something. Yeah, you tweeted me out. Uh, tweeted me but, out. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there was no falling out. There, there was no argument. I, uh, But my old position at work, which by the way, I got a new position. Ah. Um, uh, yeah, my... Our schedule's conflicted. I mean, I had to work every other weekend. Still do. I, I have to wait to transfer still. Yeah. Every other weekend. And then rotating Mondays and Thursdays. It's just it's impossible to plan anything, really. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to plan out when we can get together and do a show. But, you know, we've got time tonight. And, you know, it's just great to have you on the show tonight and to pick your brain. Let's... You know, let, let let me let's just dig into this Larusa situation right off the bat. And by the way, the tweet that the tweet that Nick sent out, he says, and this is his at his Twitter account, which is Nick of Ebre. He wrote this four days ago, which is now nicked off the wizard, is what his name is called. He says, digging, digging at all Andy Elford going after Larusa. And yeah, if you haven't heard it, go back to last Monday's podcast when I basically basically just ripped Tony La Russa a new one because he went after Salvador Perez after uh, Kranchek threw high on Abreu, hit him into the head, and Abreu went to go to first base, and you know, Reyes went up to him after he went to first base and said, you, you know he's not throwing at you, and but La Russa taking an exception to it, running out there, scuttling out there like he's he's going to miss out the, the 4 o'clock early supper. At 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 you at the great field, and he has to go after Perez. And I I I thought at that time I thought that Larusa like was not there, you know. And I I still I still believe it today, even though how good this team is. And at the beginning of the season, because you and I were talking off air, but at the beginning of the season, saying you know. We think that, you know, you thought at the beginning of the season LaRusso wasn't a good fit because they were struggling out the gate. The players didn't want to play for him. And, you know, somehow, some way, he got this team, you know, turned around. And now they're one of the best teams in all of the, in all of the American League. Right. And uh, getting back to you said about LaRusso early on being a fit, uh, I'm going to take a step back. And, and create some some context about how I, how I feel about Larusa. Okay. Um, now, for the record, uh, Reinsdorf not wanting to hire AJ Hinch or Alex Cora because of the stigma of the scandals. I I totally understand that, and I get it. I respect that. I have no problem with them saying, you know what, Hinch is a great manager. 
but you know he's got he's got a little bit of that clout over him because of the the cheating scandal in Houston, and same with Julie Kohler in Boston. We're, we're going to pass on him. I I have no problem with that. Honestly, I don't. I I whatever they're the ones in charge. But going after Larusa, who hasn't managed, who had managed in a decade, yeah. the game had passed him, and it turns out if they. If they couldn't get Larusa to unretire, you know who they're going to go after next. Who is it? Bruce Bochy. Whoa! Like, was Tommy Lasorda busy that week? I mean, <laughs> come on. I would have been surprised. You know, I would have thought that they would have gone after Mike Sosha so much. You know, Sosha is Sosha's been out of the league for a couple, yeah, a couple years, years and you know yeah. he's got he's got a world series belt underneath him with the with the angels i thought maybe that that would help him help their case out a little bit but you know it's yeah. your team yeah um and you know, my, my question with larusa was i mean obviously in his heyday he was innovative you know he was He's someone that kind of utilized the modern bullpen with the with the closer in the ninth, the dominant closer in the ninth inning. Uh, but my concerns with him were: is he going to be able to understand the new rules, which we which he's shown early on that he did not, uh, especially with the extra inning stuff. And you know, this isn't supposed to be a, a racial connotation, so I'm not bringing it there. But you know, the games changed in, in ten years. And, you know, how, how was the Russo going to react to the first time? Um, Tim Anderson did a bat flip, or uh, you know, Anna Mango uh, maybe made a catch and went wild in the outfielder or something. I just remember the whole situation with him going off on his players in in Minnesota when they went off on them. Yeah, yes, yes, I'm getting into that. And you know, he's he's very old school, and like as I was about to segue to, so you you butted in very (laughs) quickly. Um, yeah, you know, you're missing. He swung at a three-zero pitch at the home run against the Twins, and of course, he, he stuck. He stood up for the Twins and said the Twins beat them. Well, that's what he gets. And you know, there, there's been a few gaps, and uh, you know, one could argue that the roster is so talented that you or I could manage the team, and, yeah. and uh, it would be in first place. Uh, but you know what? I, I'm not saying it was the right choice. I'm not saying that he's a good manager even to this day, but given all the injuries, given the issues they have now with trying to, because uh, look, Marissa's managed a lot of teams that won the division. Uh, you know, those late 80s, early 90s A's and the Cardinals, big leads in August. You know, how, how do you keep the players sharp? How do you keep them focused? Because you get a big lead, you don't play as hard, you kind of you wander mentally. So and yeah, you got three closers uh, in your bullpen. You know, how do you manage? Uh, how do you manage egos? So that that, that is one of the, the few positives that Larusa, despite his faults, does bring. But yes, at the end of the day, I, I don't know if he's still the right choice. But for now, it's working, I guess. So we'll, we'll just roll with that. I, I was telling the view. I was telling the listeners yet last week. You know, he torched the uh, the Tigers. In the 04, in the 04 playoffs, because you know he would go into the bullpen and just eat up those big hitters of you know of of Cabrera and Ordonez back in the day, and you know I I kind of see what he's doing, how he's basically almost doing it the same way with the White Sox 
of you know going after those big hitters with the good bullpen that he somewhat has on the south side but you know at the same time too you did mention it during your whole comments you know the game has definitely changed since he was last managing and he has to wake up to the wake a he's showing that he's starting to wake up to it but at the same time too can he hold on to that as the as the season finishes up here especially with how big the White Sox lead is in the American League Central yeah, and that, that's one of the things, too. Uh, I, I kind of have a feeling, I can't confirm this, I can't deny this, that I haven't talked to anybody, this is just purely a uh, a, a hunch here, but I, I, their, their bench coach this year is a man named uh, Miguel Cairo. You, you, might, you yeah. might remember him, he used to play in the early 2000s, mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. Well, he's the bench coach, so, so some have actually wondered if, if uh, he's actually the one like calling the shots, and Maroos is just the figurehead to uh, appease appease uh, Ryan or again, I don't know. That's just a rumor I I may have heard, and a hunch I have. But I, I think uh, I think for what we need him to do, the bare minimum, I, I think he's probably okay. It's the same way with what what's happening in Cleveland right now. With Francona, Francona right now is taking a leave of absence. This is his second leave of absence since um, since becoming you know since the COVID since COVID began. And you know the thing is, you know, last year Sandy Alomar was running the team. Now you've got I forget the guy's name off the top of my head running the team. But there's always the que- there's been questions between the Indians slash Guardian fans of whether or not you know it should be Sandy Alomar's team because you know Tito is getting older in some aspects he's not you know not the spring chicken that he used to be in Boston and not the spring chicken that he was when he first came to Cleveland as the manager uh but they've been grooming this guy at the at the bench now to become the new Indian slash guardian manager when in all reality Cleveland fans want Sandy Alomar to be that guy to be there so I mean it's kind of on the both ends of the spectrum when it comes to both the White Sox and the Indians on that part yeah I, I can see the parallel there uh, I, do you think it, uh, it, just retires after the year I think he does I really do I really do I think he retires I mean he's got problems with his hip he's got he's got a staph infection in his foot you know he was. He's been dealing with health issues for the last two to three years. I. I just think that it, it's. It's time for Tito to finally stop, and you know, think about his health, think about his livelihood instead of whether or not to be seven more wins away from being the all-time winningest manager in Cleveland Indian history. It's not worth it to risk your health. It really isn't. And I think if if I was the Indians, you know. I would sit down with Tito and say, you know, do you really want to go for this? Can you be healthy to do enough, to do this? Because right now with the, how the season is, you're playing the full 162-game season, you know. And, and, and a lot of people, including like my father, believe that Tito basically gave up on the Indians after they traded Cesar Hernandez away. 
when they traded him to the White Sox at the trade deadline, and we'll get to about the trade deadline and Nick's opinion about it here in a second, but after he traded him, after they traded Cesar, it felt like, Tito felt like that was the final straw and basically said, you know what, we're not going for it now. And basically, in in a lot of people's opinion, feel like that the Indians basically have given up on the season and just have given the and just given the division written it off to the White Sox. I mean that's how it, that's how it looks in some aspects of the fanship of the Indians crowds, and you can see it in their crowd in the crowds lately at the games uh, this past weekend against against Detroit. The stadium is not completely full. I think more fans are getting more and more into getting ready for the Brown season than they are with the Indians because they know that the Indians aren't going to make it, and they're. I mean, they're far back from the end of the division. They're not even in contention right now for a wild card spot. So, you know, bite it off, you know. Just write yeah. it off. Uh, I want to pick your brain about uh, what we've seen before, you know, before we get into our prediction, our predictions on the first half of the season, because I had my predictions, you had yours, of who, who we believe would be the MVP of the first half. Uh, your thoughts on the first half of the of the Major League Baseball season? Since we've already gone past the All Star break, and uh, we're we're into fully into August, which is now into the playoff run of baseball. Well, I'm pleasantly surprised about obviously how the White Sox are doing. Uh, not going to lie, I had them picked as a wild card this year. I I never give them really any credit ever. Uh, I was really disappointed too about. The injuries that the Braves have had, yeah, you know, the Braves are always one of those teams that every year, or at least the last few years anyway, are always a team locked to, you know, win the East and mm-hmm. you know, maybe go deep in the playoffs with their young team. And the Giants have been a nice surprise as well. Uh-huh. Uh, interesting about the sticky, ta- the ticky, uh, man, sticky tag stuff. Yeah, uh, that's that to that, me was a little bit of a surprise, especially for it to become. Dominant and the uh, basically midway point of the midway point of the first half of the season that we're going to change the rules and we're going to have you in, be inspected every second inning, uh, whether or not you're wearing you're having t- you have something on your glove or something on your hat or something on your arm. Yeah, um, I'm surprised that wasn't um, implemented like next season or in spring training, but there's. A bit of a conspiracy theory, and I don't quite know, like, buy into this one, but, you know, there's a CBA coming up at the end of the year, and, you know, there might be a lockout and strike. Some feel that baseball implemented this now, so that pitchers' numbers would go up to justify not spending money and all that. I don't know if I believe that or not, but it's something that's been floating around out there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's floating around, and we've got that situation going on. How do you feel about how the Mets have been doing this year? You know, they go out and get Lindor in the off season. They go out and get these players, but you know they're they're not hanging around. That division in the East is pretty much still open to interpretation between the Mets, the Phillies, and Atlanta. It really is. Yeah, and I, I feel like the Mets, I mean, they don't really give a lot of runs for it anyway, but DeGrom hasn't pitched since, when was this last start? Was it end of May? End of May, I yeah. Or something. So that helps. I mean, that doesn't hurt. 
Yeah, I, a lot of people had the Mets vaguely predicted this offseason to, to win the National League East because um, they got Lindor. Uh, I still had Atlanta projected before the injuries. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's the Mets are, I, as of like last week, they were a, a favorite. They're like the sixth or seventh odd favorite to, to win the World Series. And I was just like, what? I mean, they're not a bad team, but it, to me, I'm not surprised that the National League East is, is very condensed. They're all, well, I mean, Philadelphia, I mean, Atlanta's hurt, so I'm surprised about that. Yeah. But Philadelphia and New York battling for the East, that, that doesn't really surprise me. I, I think if Atlanta was healthy, they'd probably be running away with it by now, though. And, uh, and surprisingly, how bad Washington is this year just... This kind of shocked me a little bit, and when they went after, when they started selling stuff at the trade deadline, that really surprised me as well too. Because, you know, that division, like I said, between those those four teams right there, I'm not counting the Marlins because they're they're definitely not a contender as of right now, and I don't know if they'll ever be a contender with with Jeter running the ship. But at the same time, I think you know them getting rid of players and selling off basically told the national organization and the fans and basically told the national fans you know it's a reload not a rebuild and that's what we're going to look forward to you know going forward well i'm not really too surprised about the downfall of the nationals you have to remember that yeah it was that nationals core that started the early part of last decade but they were an old team that won the World Series that year. I mean, yeah, it was Strasburg and Scherzer and Turner and all those guys. Not Trey Turner. Yeah, Trey Turner. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all those guys. But that's, then it was an old team, Zimmerman. But that was an old team. So everyone kind of hit in the rage, even though it's only been two seasons. I mean, that's, that's not too... Uh, Unexpected. I mean, it's a shame because I like just Zimmerman's one of my favorite active players, surprisingly. But I, I don't think it's that surprising if you look at the age of the, the roster. How su- how surprised are you right now of how the American League East is? Between you have Tampa Bay, that is, you know, one of those teams that we weren't even thinking about possibly winning the division, and now on the top spot, and Boston struggling, and they're they're falling apart right now. They're four games out of right. If you're, I'm looking at the standings right now, they're four games out of first place, and then you have the Yankees, which is surprising of how good that roster was pre, pre, trade deadline, and how good that roster was. They're now in. They were in third place, and they're still in third place as of right now. Yeah, uh, these, um. I'm surprised Boston's as good as they are this year. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, I figured it was going to be Tampa Bay, New York. I, I figured Toronto was uh, was still a year away. So that, that's a nice, um, nice development. But yeah, the East is stacked. You know, when whoever wins the East, uh, you know, probably won't have the best record of three division winners, mm-hmm. only because those four teams are going to be beating each other up in. Um, it's, it reminds me of the AL Central of years ago, where yeah. usually it was the team that had the best record within the division that wound up winning the division, which was usually Minnesota because they had that stupid dome. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so these these I'm I'm glad the East is competitive. Yeah, most years it's New York or Boston. Yeah, Tampa Bay's in there too here and there. But I, I'm really glad to see Toronto um, bounce up. I, I hope Toronto. Not I'm supposed to be an unbiased journalist, but I hope yeah. Toronto wins the division this year. I really do too. But you know, and you know. I, I would dive into what's happening out in the West, but you know, my opinion. I know you know my opinion about how how the Astros are and how how I feel about the Astros and the whole situation with the cheating scandal. Uh, you know, to me, it's still it's still shocking that they're this good still at you know, and they're on the top spot right now. But you know, Oakland's right there, and and seeing Seattle. That was a shock to me this year because I figured I had Seattle in the West being like second to last to Texas, and it it's total polar opposite. Seattle is still yeah. in the hunt for a wild card spot as we speak. Yeah, you know Houston this year, this year and last year, all all it's done is proven that they did not have to cheat to win that World Series. They really didn't. Yeah. If you look at if you look at how they're playing this year and last year, which they're under scrutiny because of the scandal got announced, they've been playing clean as far as I've seen. And last year, I I'm not sure they won the West last year, but they were a playoff team last year. Yeah. And this year, they're you know even better. Mm-hmm. So to me, it just shows they didn't really have to cheat. Mm-hmm. These are like Tampa Bay. Where they're good because they draft and develop players well. They trade for players that they see potential in or that they think they can fix a flaw in their mechanic or their swing. And they trade players a year too early as opposed to a year too late. And if they know a player there has your ceiling, they ship them out while the value's high. Mm-hmm. Um, Seattle, yeah, I'm surprised about Seattle too. Anaheim. I mean, aside aside from Trout, the rest of the team's usually garbage, so I'm not really surprised by that. I, I, I want to pick, pick your brain. I want to pick your brain out of that really quickly. You know, okay. everybody is talking about how great this kid out of Japan, Shohei Otani, is, and yeah. a lot of people think that he is the next is the next Babe Ruth, uh, mm-hmm. and he's the modern age of our generation's Babe Ruth because he can pitch and he can hit at the same time too. Have you you've seen some of his play? How do you feel about Shohei? Well, admittedly, I haven't seen too much of it live or on TV. I just catch highlight reels or see tweets on uh, on Twitter about him. But uh, you know, I hope he's the real deal. The pitching, I, I never really worried about. But this is the first year he's come out and hit hit you know thirty plus. You know, I think he's at what thirty five or something at this point right now. Yeah, thirty something. And um, I hope he's legit, but I know maybe it's a couple of years for really to adjust to him, or for him to adjust to league. I I don't know, but yeah, I, I'm thrilled. No. I uh, like to see him. I like to see what he does, and you know, we were talking off, we were talking off, off air, and we're gonna, I'm gonna get an opportunity, possibly an opportunity to see him play against Detroit coming up. So hopefully. He does play, and I would like to see him pitch. But at the same time, you know, I I think that this kid is for real. In my opinion, he's probably one of the probably one of the best 
player overall players that is in the league right now regardless regarding forgetting about Trout right now because Trout's injured right now. If you're if you're an Angels fan and or or a person that's going to go see the Angels play, you're going to go see Shohei play now and then you're adding Mike Trout to that situation and if these two were really like if if Trout stayed healthy and Shohei plays really well and pitches well, you know, and they get a good cast going with that. I mean, look out for the Angels. I really think that they they could be a they could be a force to be reckoned with in the West, and they could give they can give Houston a run. They can give Seattle definitely. They can beat up Seattle as many times as they can. Oakland, they could they could beat Oakland. It's just it's just a combination of Trout being healthy and Shohei being Shohei at the same time. Would help would help that help that organization out tremendously. Well, no doubt if Trout was healthy, they'd be doing better. But uh, you have to remember that you, you can't have just two really good players. This isn't basketball. Yeah, no. Hell, you, should, you have to have at one point the White Sox just only have six really good players. Yeah, and the, the roster was was trash, and that's why they finished in third and fourth place every year. So. Well, it would be nice if Trout and Otani were both playing right now. Uh, that wouldn't make the or I'm sorry, that wouldn't make the Angels automatically, a, uh, you know, a division winner. Right, right. I, all right, I, I I'll agree. We can agree to disagree on that situation. We can definitely dis- okay. see, agree to disagree on the situation. Want to pick your brain also on the trade deadline? You know, we haven't talked in a while. Uh, the trade deadline has come and passed. <laughs> Your surprises and your shock. Well, first of all, before we get to that, we get to the first half MVP race in the AL and NL. Who did you have in the first half of the season, being the AL and the NL MVP? In your thoughts? Oh, in the American League, I had uh, Otani, mm-hmm. of course. I mean, who didn't? Yeah. And in the National League, I had. Uh, I, oh man, I can't. I named. His name just slipped me, but it was that pitcher for Milwaukee. Oh my God, I know who you're talking about. Corbin? Yeah, Corbin. No, no. Okay, I think you might be right, Corbin. For me, it was for me in my first half was Otani in the American League, and I like Cody Bellinger out of the, out of the National League. I think the hitter, the way that he was, he was batting the three twenty nine in the first half of the season. He was hitting the cover off the balls, and how good that the how good the Dodgers are this year, and especially how good that in that division. I I like Bellinger. I thought that he would, you know, he had a little bit of an injury bug in the beginning of May into June, but then he came back off the IR and he was just raking the cover off the ball, and I felt like he was the better half, better player in the second half, the second half of the first half of the season. And he get he got my MVP nod when it, it came to it. I mean, when you're batting three twenty nine in your in your in your OPS, it's a it's a solid nine hundred. I I definitely will take it. I will definitely take him as my first ha- first half MVP. Nope, can't I can't argue with you there. I actually it makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Now. Now, like we were talking about right before we gave our MVPs, I want to pick your brain about the trade deadline. Was it was it me or was it really, really shocking of how many prospects went 
in this in this trade deadline compared to you no know, everyday players that got traded because we know that the Cubs basically sold everything off. They got rid of Bryant, they got rid of Rizzo, they got rid of Baez, they got rid of the Ivory on the field for for prospects to come to come to come to play in Iowa for a while. But was it shocking to you as it was to me that you know we saw top tier players and prospects getting moved around to different teams? Uh I was surprised that every team made a trade before the trade deadline. All thirty teams. Yep. Um, as far as top prospects go, I don't agree with you there. I mean, pardon me. Um, pardon me again. Sorry. Yeah. I apologize. Um, nobody, like, nobody's really, like, top, top prospects. Like, nobody's number one or number two or number three when it was always, like, I believe in the Rizzo deal, the Yankees gave up their number eight and number 12 prospect. The Mets gave up like their ten number ten prospect. Uh, the Giants didn't give up their two big prospects that everyone was hoping to get for the Cubs. But but um, yeah, the reason they think that a lot of teams are a lot of teams are going for it this year, a lot of teams are selling off this year. Well, again, there's a CBA reading the contract ends at the end of the year, mm-hmm. so you know. It's, it's a lot of teams are like the White Sox, like the Giants, like the Dodgers, like the Padres, like the Yankees, like the Red Sox, like uh, the, so many teams. They're going for it because you know this might be their last chance to win. If there's no season next year, you have to wait 2023 potentially if if there's a lockout or a strike, which there might be. Might be. I mean, yeah, you could see that. I could see that. And nobody's really talking about that that happening. You know, we don't hear that talk that much with regarding on MLB Network or on ESPN or anything like that. They're just focusing on what's happening on the field now. But we're look, you and I are looking at this as, as an aspect of we could not be having baseball as of next season because of what's yeah. happening. Yeah, and really the only thing I put about it in general was Manfred was on TV for – Gosh, I don't know if it was for Jackie Robinson Day or maybe it was for the draft. He, he was on TV for something I was watching, and he said negotiations are going well. It's not that off the mark like a lot of people are afraid of. So, you know, right. I, I hope that's true. I hope that's true too. Really do. I mean, that's that's a, that's a scary thing. Uh, Want to pick your brain? You know. We're getting so we're getting close to the end of this. We're getting close to the end of the regular season. So you look at the. I'm looking at the standings right now. You have the Brewers in the Central. You have the Phillies in the East, and you have the Giants in the West, which is a surprise. The Giants are 71 and 41, and how that good that division wow, is. Are they really? Yes, yeah, 71 and 41, top spot. The Dodgers are in second wow. at 67 and 45. They're four games out. Tatis and the Padres are 64 and 49. They're seven and a half games out. If you look at it right now, here's what it will look like in the wild card. You have the Phillies, the Brewers, the Giants, and your two wild card teams are the Dodgers and the Padres. Now, as Red Leg Alfred would want you to ask this question, the Reds are two and a half games out of a wild card spot. 
for the Red fans and for Red Leg Alfred right now, is there a strong possibility that the Reds could possibly make this in? Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, you know, if they would have pulled up the trade for Chris Bryant, I think they'd be a lock. Yeah. Um, well, the thing about the Reds is I saw this on Twitter the other day, and apparently uh, the, the Reds, uh, not Castillo, but they have another really good starter on the team. And I guess he leads the league in his quality starts being blown saves. Well, you're talking. So, are you talking a pitcher or are you talking a hitter? He was a pitcher. He had those quality starts. I saw the tweet Friday at work. I thought you're talking about Louis. Ca- Louis. You're talking about Louis Castillo, I believe. Oh, I thought it was another guy, but maybe it's him. But yeah, so the Reds. Uh, he this particular pitcher. Not his own fault. It's the bullpen behind him. He his quality starts half of them have been blown. Mm-hmm. Uh and blown saves. That that'd be so, that would definitely be Louie. Louie has not doesn't have a good winning doesn't have a good record because of that bullpen and how bad that bullpen is with you know, with Humbry and with Garrett struggling the you know, Garrett's your setup guy. Humbry's your closer, and, and Humbry just can't close the game out. And yeah. and it, it, it's the bullpen that causes that game to basically be a loss for for Louis Castillo and that. But you know, Nick, when you look at the Reds, I'm going to talk. This is Ray Leg Alfred talking. You've got <laughs> you've got you've got Winkler and Castillo and Castellanos out in the outfield. Great. Great outfielders right there. Top two made the All Star team. Made for made the roster. You've got now you got a healthy Mike Mustakis at third base. You've got the best I think the rookie of the year this year and in Jonathan India at second base. And then you've got the big bat of Joey Votto there. And then you have good solid players between Tucker Barnhart and and and, and Tyler Farmer out there. And the, the hitting is there. The hitting's there for the Reds. It's all about the pitching. Sonny Gray is inconsistent. You've got Louie, who, like you mentioned before, has you know quality starts, but the bullpen is what's killing him. You've got you've got you got Gutierrez, who's now up here from from Louisville, who has been you know decent. And then you've got Wade Miley, who is who threw the no hitter against the Indians. By the way, I'll give you a trivia stat for you. Can you name the team? There's one team this year that's been no hit three times. That's been the Cleveland Indians, with the with yeah. the Rays, with the Rays, with the with the uh, with the Reds, and then with the Twins. Three home hitters. No, no, the White Sox. White Sox. White Sox. Carlos Rodon. Carlos Rodon. Rodon. Rodon yes, Rodon. Rodon. That's right. The three no hitters. Three no hitters on one team this year, and that shows you how bad that the Indians slash Guardians are. So those red, I I think if you look at how this sets up, Nick, I mean, if the Padre, the Padres and the Dodgers are going to be battling each other out for a while, so are the, so with the Giants. So the Reds are sitting there, pretty much in a good spot at two and a half games out of a wild card spot. I don't think that they can make the make the division. Because how good Milwaukee is this year, but I I, I I like I like the Reds possibly 
slipping in, getting the second wild card spot, pulling a little bit of an upset over Tatis and Machado in, in the Padres, because if the Padres are inconsistent like they are, sometimes that they are, and if they're getting beat up out of out of the West, then you know they're there. They're possibly there. Oh yeah, the point I was trying to make about the the Reds bullpen was blowing that many consecutive uh, blowing that many quality starts for a pitcher usually isn't something that's consistent all year. So you'd hope as the season goes on that would kind of progress back to its means, and that would maybe up the Reds' winning percentage, and they could sneak into a into a wild card spot. Yeah. So in your opinion, in your opinion, do you? F- out of those, out of the four team, out of the five teams right now, we'll, we'll 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 keep the Reds out of it. Do you think that the Dodgers are the best team? You think to get to the back to the World Series? Uh, I I would say so. Surprisingly, um, the Giants not only have the better record, but they also have the better run differential too. Yeah. So they they might be the they might actually be the better team this year because usually if a team's got a really good record and kind of a meh run differential, they're overperforming and usually come back to earth. But the Giants they might be legit this year. Might be legit. And the thing is, I, I can't even name you. I can't even name you one starter of the Giants rotation this year. That's so. true. I can't either. The only thing I the player I can only think of from the Giants is uh, uh Carl's Carl's grandson Mike. Oh, you're Shremsky? Yeah, Shremsky. And is Posey still playing? Yep, still, he's still catching. Catching. I think this is his last year, too. Okay. And they still got Brandon Bell at first base? Yep. That's all I can think of the that's, Giants. That's all I can think of the Giants, too. That's all I can... Let's come Kane, Matt, uh, Baumgartner, Sandoval, Joe Panic, uh, not... Freddie Sanchez. They're all gone. Yep. Sergio Romo, all those guys—they're all long gone. All long gone. So, so that's the National League. So, we can we both agree that the Giants, not the Gi- the Dodgers, can possibly get back to the World Series. I I'm kind of in agreement on that. Yeah. I hope you're in agreement on that as well. I agree. Okay, so then you look at the American League, and I think the American League is just a little bit open to my to interpretation. If you look at the wild card in the American League right now, the top leaders, of course, are the are the are the Astros at sixty six and forty six. You have the White Sox at sixty five and forty six, bearing if bearing tonight if they beat the Cubs, which they are right now as we speak as we're on the air. And then you have the and then you have Tampa Bay at sixty eight and forty four. Your two wild card teams right now are Oakland and Boston. The Yankees on the outside looking in at two and a half games out. Toronto three games out. And then you have the Mariners at five and a half games out right now. Of those four wild card teams, of, of the five wild card teams right there, do we can we both agree that you know Oakland's gonna be there? I think Oakland's gonna be there. It's just a it's a toss up between between Boston, New York, and Toronto. And if it was me, of how the Yankees went out and got Anthony Rizzo to help that help the bats out, as well as Joey Gallo, I think you could probably write in that the Yankees are probably going to get either into a wild card spot or possibly win the division. Um, the Yankees have a lot of pitching problems, so and 
the team, they're one of those teams that want the high strikeouts, high home runs. So they went out and got two guys who strike out, have long bases, and home runs. And they didn't really address any of their pitching woes. So I think what the Yankees is, um, they, they might end up with a wild card, but between the four teams in the East, not including Baltimore, uh, I would bet money that New York finishes in fourth place. Really? Fourth in the, yeah. So you have you have them in front of you have them in front of Tampa Bay who probably will win the division, Boston Boston or possibly Toronto in front of either one of those guys, and then you have and then you have the Yan- then you have the Yankees. Uh yeah, well I think I worded it wrong. I meant I only have New York finishing above Baltimore. I think Boston, Tampa Bay, and Toronto in whatever order finish one, two, and three. Okay, so then you look at that. Then I have to. I know you're gonna you're gonna get angry at me over this. I think the White Sox get to the American League Championship Series. I have them getting into the American League Championship Series and battling the Yankees at the at this point. In my in my prediction at the beginning of this season, when I wrote everything out, and I had the Yankees, yeah. Yankees playing the Dodgers for the for the World Series this year, it's for me starting to line up like that. It really is. I if I'm pulling it up right now on on my computer as we're doing as I'm just typing it up here. Here it is. Uh, I had the. I had it in the wild card for this year. I had Toronto over at the time. I had Toronto over LA in the one game wild card spot. I don't think LA is going to make it now. But in the division, I had the White Sox battling Toronto and the Yankees battling the A's because I had the A's winning out in the in the West. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen because how good Houston is this year. So then I have the Yankees battling the the White Sox and then the Yankees battling against the Dodgers and for me it looks like that's what's going to line it looks like for me it's kind of how it's going to line up in my opinion well remember I was talking about run differential earlier uh-huh. I'm looking at ESPN's standings uh, on my app and the Yankees only have a plus 15 run differential yep. Boston is at plus 33 but you know what Tampa Bay plus 121 Toronto plus one point three. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm not really sold on New York and not really on Boston anymore at this point. So you're more focusing on it being between Toronto and Tampa Bay for those two spots in the East, then. Correct. Okay. Okay. I mean that's how it how it lines up for me. It really does. That's how I, I, I that's how I look at it. And then you're more of the baseball enthusiast. You're the one that looks at all the stats because you're the bad stat, horrible stat kind of guy that looks right. that looks at looks up at all the stats. And when I go to, I go to you for all my baseball stats. You know you're one of the guys I go to with regarding stuff like that. So you know yeah. if you're telling me that it could be Tampa and Toronto. I'm going to kind of agree with you on that situation. Oh, and I, I need to uh, correct something I said here. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. The, the Giants do not have the best run differential. That's uh, actually Los Angeles. Los Angeles is plus 171. San Francisco is third with one plus 130. Yeah, so, I mean, they're, uh, they're, in, they're in the close race, but if you look at it, you know, 
And the you know the funny thing is, I want to go really quickly back to the Dodgers situation really quickly. Them signing sure. Cole Hamels after the trade deadline was a little bit of a shocker to me because you know what it tells me, Nick, that Clayton Kershaw is not really 100% healthy. That they need to get somebody to help him out in in the rotation situation. You know, they, uh, lost, I think it was- they lost Bauer because of this whole sexual allegation situation. He's gone. He's he's done. He's done playing in the league. I think he's done. Yeah, I think he's come back. Yeah, he, he's a scumbag. He's done. So now the Dodgers got to go out, you know, and Price isn't the David Price that we look at. Uh, Bueller's the only t- bright spot in that whole rotation right now because Kershaw's not at a hundred percent. So. You know, them going out and getting Cole Hamels kind of tells me at the same time that Kershaw isn't at 100%. So Kershaw might go like two or three innings, and they might bring Cole Hamels out of the bullpen to finish out the job, you know, in some aspects. Or he could be the fourth day or the fifth day starter. Well, Cole Hamels is is really old. I I think he was just steps. I think they brought Scherzer in because they're unsure about either Kershaw or, or Bauer. I mean, you look at it. You have you have Scherzer, you have Bueller, you have Kershaw, you have Price, and now you have Cole Hamels. You have five good, you know, five. Pardon my, give you a little bit of a old wake up. Five aces of the staff that we have that we have that the Dodgers have out there that could be honestly aces of any staff out there in the major league, and they pretty much stacked the stacked the starting rotation. But the problem is, Nick, they can't, yeah. they don't have a good bullpen. They blow their bullpen more than anything else. I mean, Jansen has just been absolutely atrocious this year. Absolutely atrocious. Their series against, I'll give you one, the series after they came back against Colorado, they had two opportunities to close out the Rockies, and they could close out the Rockies because of how bad that bullpen is. And the Rockies beat them, then split the four-game series. That tells you how bad that bullpen is. When you can't close out the Rockies, who are a sub-500 team, and then you then the next two nights you play Arizona, and there are two bullpen games because you know Kershaw's at at 100 percent and he's not pitching, so they go to the bull, bullpen games and they get beat up by them. So yeah. If you're, if this is what the bullpen is for the Dodgers, I'm, I'm sorry for Dodger fans, but I don't think it positives out of the whole situation. No, and I have to admit, I haven't dug into their Dodgers bullpen as it's now nine to three White Sox. Um, I'm back in the office. Um, yeah, I mean, if the Dodgers bullpen is as bad as you say, then yeah, it's not looking too good. Yeah, it isn't. It really isn't looking too good. So yeah. So in your opinion, do you think do you think that the White Sox get to the World Series this year? Uh no. Um do you see them getting to where I have them at at least at the champion in the championship series? Uh no, I'm I'm very negative and um uh my I I always joked but when I first started the rebuild, I I joked that they'd become the 90s Braves. And, and as far as talent goes, but they're gonna get beat in the first round every year just because. Yeah. 
Chris is kind of the luck I have with teams. So if they make it past the wild card round, I'll be I'll be surprised. Yeah, it it, it yeah. will be surprised. I think they get past they get past they get the wild they don't get a wild card spot. I think that they win the division outright, in my opinion. But they'll get into the division series and just either they'll they'll take they'll dominate that series or. I, I, I just think that I just think they'll dominate the series, especially if they play if they play in Oakland or they play if they play a Yankee uh, they play a Yankees or a, or a, a Boston or a Toronto series. Well, Oakland's for, for whatever uh, for whatever reason, as long as I rooted for the team, Oakland's always been like the little house of horrors. Every time they go into Oakland. Regardless of their of their own record and Oakland's record, um, they go to Oakland. They get their ass beat every time. It's just one of those places where they go and yeah, they won the first game. They won the first game and they lost. They dropped the two to lose the series. But even the regular series too. Every time they play Oakland, they just they go into Oakland. They 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 just lose. I I don't know what it is. There's been roster turnover. There's been manager turnover. There's been coaching turnover, and whatever it is, it's Oakland. Oakland's just bad for them. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mind sticking around for a second segment so we can dive into some other sports. Yeah, of course. All right. So you're talking. We're talking with Nick, the Money Man Devera, right here on All Andy Elford tonight, right here. On the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Leaker Stitcher, however you're listening to us, wherever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. We're going to take a little bit of a break. We'll be back with more of my old broadcast partner, Nick, the Money Man Devera, as we are on All Andy Elford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network. And we're back with Nick, the Money Man Devera, right here on All Andy Elford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network. And, uh, Nick is uh, gracious enough to give us a second segment right here on uh, All Andy Elford tonight. And um, Nick, I want to give in, get into some other topics and other sports topics. I know you have a, you wanted to talk a little bit about the NHL really quickly. Uh, I, I hear you have somewhat of a beef you would like to like to discuss. And um, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna let the let the floor open up for uh, for for Nick's Nick's uh, comments on uh, how he feels about wh- wh- who who do you want to rant about tonight? It sounds like uh, the general manager of the Blackhawks, Stan Bowman. Ooh, all right. Uh, the floor is yours, sir. I'm, the spot we're under. You're now under the center. You're under the center light. Under the center circle. Well, first of all, let, let's just be real. Stan Bowman is probably one of the more overrated general managers in the game. And I say that because people say, well, he's, he's got three three Stanley Cups with the Hawks. Well, he inherited Dale Talon's team. I could have been the GM that year and had the Blackhawks probably still would have won. This, all he did was sign Marion House. I could have, I could have done that. <laughs> now, and he's reckless with his trades. He gives up too much draft capital. Now, some of the tra- some of the trades, they all admit they worked out a bit pricey. But I think with most sports trades, even if the price is high or the contract is high, if it leads to a winner, then you know they traded a first round draft pick to Arizona for Antoine Bermet. 
Now, he's not worth the first-round draft pick, but they won the Stanley Cup that year. I think that was the 13, or maybe it's the 15 Cup. 15. Okay. That one, it worked out because he was a key part of them winning the Cup that year. So, a bit pricey, but, but I mean, the dude just doesn't know what he's doing. And I remember at one point, I got tired of playing those stuff in Act 2. But I didn't want them to get rid of him. I remember thinking, well, I'm okay if they get rid of Quinville if they fire Bowman, too. But to just kick Quinville to the curb and keep Bowman, that was just, that was stupid. And he keeps making all these trades, and they finally got out of the Duncan and the Seabrook contract. And what does he do? He trades for an overrated defenseman who, looking at his stats, Seth Jones has been a third-line um, level player, and they give him an eight-year extension. Oh, wow. For multiple first-round picks? I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> Come on, Stan. Dude's got to go. Time to blow this thing up. Do you think that we've seen the end of Patrick Kane in Chicago? No, I, I think Kane and Taves are there for the long haul. I think even if, uh, you know, the, the point at the end of their, end of their careers where they're not good anymore, I, I think they'll still be on the team. Really? Just because of what they mean, yeah. Are you, so because they were the ones, they were the founding members of them winning those three cups. You think that yes. they, but you don't, yeah. think, you don't think that they would get rid of, get rid of them. No, we're not the Cubs. We don't trade away our 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 <laughs> players like that. Well, yeah, I mean, and going back to what you said, all right, yeah, and I know you. This is the Chris Klein in me. You know, you always you always say, well, there's never anybody good on the Blue Jackets. There was nobody ever good on the Blue Jackets. You know, Seth Jones was a really is a really good player for you guys. No, you're think, right. The first time when you said he was a really good player, yes, he used to be a really good player. He's not good anymore. That's the problem. And if they would have made this trade four years ago. I would have been like, hell yeah, that's a good trade. The moves the Blackhawks have made to get not you know Andre Fleury and that guy and yeah, some of the guys yeah. who brought in, they would have, they could have won the 2018 Stanley Cup. But the end of the problem is this is 2021, 2022. This isn't 2017, 2018 anymore. Do you think that the the Mark Andre Fleury trade for you guys to get him? Do you think that really helps out your goaltending situation? Uh, oh. honestly, I was surprised he was still playing. But hey, you know he had he won the award last year for best goalie, and he's he's been productive. So yeah, I, I think that's okay. I I I think you guys have got a good goaltender there. I think that could rejuvenate that that goaltending structure in Chicago to get it back to what it used to be because when you think of Chicago goaltending you think you think of Hobby Bullen you think uh you think of uh oh my god I forget the guy off the Cristobal Huey Huey yeah Crawford you think of Ron all Darling. that yep you or think Scott of all, Darling sorry the Darling you think of all these good goaltenders and everything like that and to bring on Mark Andre Fleury who's a cup winning goaltender that helps you out tremendously, I think, in my opinion, and it helps you know helps out the younger group of goaltenders that are coming up into the league become you know to see this guy who has been in the league for so long. It could help. It could help. 
it could really help the franchise out tremendously. I, in my personal opinion, I think we're seeing. I think Patrick Kane stays with the team. I think with happened last year with Jonathan Taves and opting out last year at the during the season because of COVID and everything like that because of his health conditions. I think that we're going to see the last year of Jonathan Taves, honestly, in my opinion, with the Chicago Blackhawks this upcoming season. I think we're going to see the final run with this with this core group right here with Taves and Kane because I think the health condition with Taves, we don't know per se of what it is. Some people say it's a heart condition, which means that he he, 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 he can't really just know go at full born anymore and maybe he's just saving his strength up to so he can play in the 2022 winter olympics coming up in beijing with with canada that's a strong possibility that could be a strong possibility but I, i i just think personally this might be the end of the run with with kane and taves and this could be the last season to see these two in the in at the United Center with the with the Black Hawk crust on them. Yeah, I mean, we really, like you said, the rumored the heart thing, but nobody really knows. And you know, it's it's been very candid. Remember when Marion Hosa went to his his health thing with his skin? They were very transparent about what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with uh, with Brent Seabrook with with his issue, which they just uploaded his contract. Um, Tampa Bay a few weeks back. Yeah. Um, excuse the ESPN uh, noise. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, you know, curious to see what happens. And I hope he's wish him all the best. You know, the Cave was always, I know a lot of people's favorite Blackhawk was always Kane or Seabrook or Keith. My favorite, well, my first favorite was <clears throat> Hobby Bullen. But, um, you know, Taves has always been my favorite player throughout uh, throughout these, this, these past uh, 12, 13, 14 years. Yeah, I mean he was one of the players, and I was there when Jonathan, when the Patrick Kane was drafted in two thousand and seven in Columbus at Nationwide. I was there when he got drafted. Um, just look, really looking quickly over the, there really is not that much left for the, uh, for the Hawks to re-sign. Overall, they've got Zanzanoff as a free agent, as a as a free agent. And unrestricted free agency, there's a lot of just like the players you would see down in Rockford right now. Um, they're just trying to get the they're just trying to get big pieces out there to help out this organization out. And you know, honestly, to my my opinion, it's just just to fill in a little bit more of the seats at United Center, in my opinion. Uh, so, some people are under the impression that the Hawks <clears throat> are done with the rebuild and it's more of a reload, I guess. And they think the Hawks can be a uh, a, a quiet contender no. for the Cubs, but I don't think I quite. I think they'll be better this year, but I don't, I don't think they have a chance of winning the Cup this year. Your your team is more of a your team is more of a reload. My team is more of a rebuild. After all the all the all the, pardon my language, all the bullshit I had to deal with this off season so far, and it just keeps kicking me in the nuts more and more. Um. I, I probably you you listen to my podcast. I know you do, Nick. You, you heard my comments on why they got rid of Cam Atkinson, and I just really think it's um, uh, I really think it's a it's a bad move by the Jackets to get rid of the guy who's been in the organization for ten years, who wants to be with this team for ten years, that wants to be with this team for the rebuild to help 
get this franchise to a championship. And sure enough, you know, they say... And the, the funny thing is, Nick, the night that night before the trade, he was at Nationwide Arena for their big draft party. He was signing autographs, and he was meeting with the fans, and he was having a great time and everything like that. And then let alone 24 hours later, he's traded to Philadelphia for for a draft for two draft picks in next year's draft. I just I I just don't get what John Davison's doing with Yarmo and the in that team. And you know, we look at this team going forward, you know, and the big core that was there when they defeated Tampa is no more. There's no more Panarin, there's no more Bobrovsky, there's no more Felino, there's no more Atkinson, there's no more if there's no more Jones uh, you know, the franchise is basically, in my opinion, kind of building up as as wanting to be the local team with the local players. You have Jas- Jack Roslovic from from Winnipeg that they came over from the trade from uh, from Pierre Luc Dubois during the during the regular season. They get him and they get Patrick Line and Line signs a one year deal, which I think was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. The guy signs a one year deal worth seven million dollars. He's just and he doesn't want to play in Columbus. Why do you want to invest seven million dollars in a guy who's not who didn't do part part of my language, didn't do shit for the organization the rest of the way when he came over. He scored he scored three goals with the organization when he came over from from Winnipeg. He didn't do much. He didn't help the team get to a playoff spot. So why would you give him $7 million? That's number one. But Jack Roslovic is the better better pickup for them because he's the local kid who used to play in Columbus, used to play in the Chillers. I like I like that. Number two, they go and get this. They go and get draft. They go in and get the draft picks for the Seth Jones trade. I like that they were picked at number four, five already. And they go and pick up the kid from from Michigan, who is absolutely a stud. But he's going to be two years out. He still is going to be playing with Michigan for the next two seasons. So are we going to get the same caliber player that is at Michigan right now? No. We're not going to get that caliber player. We're going to get either a veteran who knows what he wants, or you're going to get a player that is just, you know, that is just going to be mediocre. And then the second, and then they get the second pick up. And the pickup from from Chicago, they pick up Mike Sillinger's son, who I like. He's a good player, but he's going to be another year year to two years away from the start of him becoming into the Jack and organization. So when we look at draft picks, we look at players that are going to be automatically plugged into the lineup right away. You know, they're going to be right into the league right away. And we look at that in the NFL, we look at that in the in the NBA, and but we don't look at that in baseball because you know it's the farm system. We got to they've got to build up from there, and it's the same kind of the same way in the NHL because these kids are still in college, in some aspects, and are playing, you know, playing in college and playing in the minors and the in in the junior leagues as well. Uh-huh. But I just I just don't see. Where they say that this is going to be a reload, this is totally a rebuild, and for me, I think that they should have went out. And it, what hurts me the most now is that you know Atkinson was the next lineup 
for a captaincy because he was the second longest. He was the te- long, after Felino left. After they got rid of Felino, the next person who I thought would have gotten the captaincy was Atkinson because Atkinson was with them for ten years. Now Atkinson is gone. You don't have a captain, so I'm thinking this team is not going to have a captain. They get rid of Tortorella in the off season. They get, they hire Brad Larson, who has been the assistant coach underneath John Tortorella for forever. And I like Larson; he's a good guy. As long as they didn't give the job to the other guy who runs the power play, who were who drove the the power play into the ground, being the 30, 30th team out of thirty one teams in the NHL with the power play. Yeah, worst power play in all the league last year. In the last three years, the power play has ranked 27th, 29th, and 30th. They need to get somebody to work the power play situation. And then they, two years ago, excuse me, three years ago, before before this whole situation, they hired Martin St. Louis, who used to be the player from the from the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they worked on the power play. And the after when he came into the into the team, and when they hired him, the power play was right at the thirtieth mark of the league. When he got into the, when he came into the Jackets organization, became in the power play, they went from thirtieth to eleventh at the end of the season. That was a total turnaround, and and I, I just wish that you know that they can do that again and find somebody that will help them out on the power play because that's what really really comes to that, and you know. I just hope that Larson can teach his guy, get teach this team to be ready to go. Because I mean, where what? Today is the eighth of August. The spring, tra- the training camps begin the second week of September. So we're what four weeks out to start a starting training camp for hockey season to start up all again. And you know, it's going to be interesting. Your feelings on how your feelings on welcoming Seattle into the league? How do you feel about Seattle coming into the league? Um, I'm I'm okay with Seattle coming to the league. I I'm fine with northern cities in the league. My issue with the NHL expansion and relocation has always been, aside from your big like southern cities like Dallas, Los Angeles, maybe Phoenix. Um, I I don't really know why there's teams in the south because hockey isn't that. That popular in the South. So. Well, I, I can contradict you on that statement. When we look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, that's Defending. kind of a big city. But why is there a team in Nashville? Why is there a team in Carolina? Why is there a team in you know Miami? Why is there two teams in Florida? You know, I I, I said it best. I've said it best many of times to people. If it was any possibility, I would if I could relocate one team. One team I would relocate, and that would be the Florida Panthers. I would relocate them to Quebec. Oh, see, I'd move the Jackets to Quebec. No, I would move. I would move. I would move. I would move Florida to Quebec, and here's why I'd say that: if you look at that division, you've got the Red Wings, you've got the Canadiens, you've got Toronto and Ottawa, Boston and Tampa, and you have Florida in that division. Okay. You move Florida to Quebec. You've got four Canadian teams. Then you have the and you count the Red Wings being the fifth Canadian team because they're right there on the border. And then you have Boston and Tampa. 
That could that could honestly for me work. Uh, and, oh. they, and they also have Buffalo in that in that division as well. They also have the Sabres. That's my other issue is that they're going to go with four divisions of eight when they should go four and four like the NFL. I mean, you could, I could, but how would that real? How would that be a realignment for you? I mean, what would be the what would be the would be the Western Canadian, which would be Vancouver. I'm looking at it, thinking about it right now. Be Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, and Seattle, and then in the Cal, you would have the California division with Vegas, being Vegas, San Jose, L.A., Anaheim, and. You have to have a fourth team, so we put Phoenix in there. Yeah. No, no, no. You have Vegas, L.A., San Jose, and Anaheim. That's your four teams there. And then you would have like what the South Division. You have the South Division basically with Colorado, uh, Colorado, Arizona, Dallas, and maybe Nashville in that realm. Have those four, and then you would have the four the four Northern uh, Midwest teams. Minnesota, St. Louis, Chicago, Detroit. Yeah. And then you would have then you would have the the I would call it then the wet the Rust Belt teams. You have Columbus, you would have Pittsburgh, you would have Philadelphia, and you would have Washington. Washington. Oh yeah. And then you would have then you would have in the that would be your eastern start of your eastern bracket. And then in the other side of the east, you would have you would have like the northern northern east, which would be Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, and Buffalo. Buffalo. And, yeah. then, and then you would have your Atlantic, which would be Boston, both New York teams, and the Islanders. And then you would have your southern. Then you would have your southern teams. You would have Carolina. You would have Tampa Bay. Yeah, Florida, and then we have where would be the fourth team? Well, I would say put Washington in that South team and swap the Capitals with Philadelphia and that Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Columbus, Detroit division. Okay. Or, um, I'm sorry, have uh, have uh, uh shit. <laughs> I'd make it work. Yeah, you'd make it work somehow, some way. I mean, yeah. it, it would it would work it would work somehow, some way, but. I just I like Seattle. I think they're going to be an interesting team to watch this year. Uh, you know what pissed me off the most? I was looking at the schedules. You realize that the New York Islanders start the season with fifteen road games to start the year off. Why is that? Because they're building that new arena right there outside of uh, outside of Belmont Park. So they've mm. got that new building, and it is not ready yet. So the league has decided to give them to give them time to build to continue building that arena, and in doing so, have scheduled them for fifteen games. You play seventy two games of the season, okay? Thirty six of them are road games. To start the season, you're playing fifteen. You're playing half your road games. The first two months of the season, your first home game of the first home game. The official inaugural home game for the Islanders is not going to be until November, late November into December. 
My my biggest thing is if they if they weren't ready for that stadium to be built, why not put them still in Nassau? Why can't they keep them in the Coliseum? Or play in Brooklyn. Play in Brooklyn. Play in the Coliseum. Get them get them to have home games because because the fans in that stadium need to have it. And they're what they're the they're the um, they're the runner up in the Eastern Conference. So you know they're gonna have a they're gonna have a pennant in the in the arena. So I mean shit, they're gonna have a banner. So uh, what's they're gonna no they're gonna have yeah they're gonna have a banner in the stadium. So I I I don't know I don't know it's just it just boggles my mind of and how how this year's we go back to the normal schedule. And by the way, I forgot to make mention of this to you fans. And to you listeners out there, you know, there's a new Central Division player team that's in your division now, Nick, because of the realignment. Mm-hmm. You get Arizona now this year. Oh, okay, that's an easy, easy win. That, those are easy wins. You get Arizona now, so you throw those in. So you have now eight teams of four. You have eighteen four divisions with eight teams in it, basically now. Yeah. So I mean. It kind of lines it all up. It's all perfect right now. You have 32 teams in the NHL. I mean, it, it's it's just going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out this season with everybody playing basically a full season now because we didn't start the season until middle of February last year, and now we're going to play a full 72-game season going forward. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll absolutely see. So... You know, with speaking of other sports we want to talk about tonight, we want to talk also a little bit about what's happening on the gridiron. Of course, happening mm-hmm. happening this weekend was the uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Of course, Peyton Manning going in, as well as my guy, Calvin Johnson, who got robbed by the officials at Soldier Field a few years ago. Should have been a catch and been down by contact, but they said it was an incomplete pass. You know, like, that's... That's to be discussed long, long ago. But, you know, football is right around the corner. The Hall of Fame game took place. Steelers getting the win over the over the Dallas Cowboys. Nick is a diehard Bears fan. You've heard the, the intro to all Andy Alford, of course, me singing the Bear Down song, losing the bet to him. Uh, Bears picked up a quarterback in Justin Fields. Your feelings... <laughs> Oops. Your feelings. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, my chair slipped. Okay. Sorry, that's why I went oops for. Uh, I, I was kind of surprised that he was there when um, they moved up to get him, obviously. But the fact that, that they that they had to cut Kyle Fuller to sign Dalton and then just to drive fields makes, makes me realize that they didn't really have a plan going into the, the draft. I think Fields just fell on their lap. I know they had to move up to get him, but yeah. my my only concern with Fields is the Bears can't draft quarterbacks, and Ohio State produces uh, usually not great NFL quarterbacks. I know a lot of people in, in the media in Chicago and a lot of Bears fans are saying you got got to start Justin Fields. You got to start on Week One. Most cases, most cases, I would agree, but <laughs> sorry. 
I, I think last year with that with that young man in Cincinnati, you know, Joe Burrow, uh, the Bears' offensive line is. I'm not saying it's going to be horrific. I'm not saying it's going to be. It's really going to be really great. We we just we just don't know how it's going to be this year. And I don't think it's safe to start Justin Fields week one with an offensive line that's suspect and he might get him hurt. I mean, let Foles and let Dalton take the blows behind the line. Now, now currently Nick Foles is the third stringer um, for refs purposes in the off season, but yeah. you have but for for preseason. But I mean, really, it's, he's, Fields is probably the number three guy on the, on the depth chart. Realistic, yeah, realistically. Um, so yeah, let, let him sit. And the line's uh, decent this year, which it, it may be, it may not be. I, I don't know. Offensive lines in the NFL uh, swing from year to year. They're kind of like bullpens in baseball where you can have the same guys year to year and they can be awesome one year, shit next, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just training camp. And everyone always says in training camp how good people look. They say this thing about Trubisky and just, you know, it's the same thing about Kyle Orton, it's the same thing about Rex Grossman, you know, yeah. um, Jake Charles. They say, you know, Fields looks amazing, blah, blah, blah. But they say that every year in spring, in, uh, not spring training, but in, uh, in many in camps. Camp and preseason games. But we'll see. A lot of people are high on them. I, I, I'm excited for it. But in like most things in my sports life, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. So you think that, you know, Will we see Justin Fields in preseason in the short preseasons taking some reps? Yeah, he, that's why he's he's officially number two on on the depth chart for that for the reps. Um, he'll probably play a couple series, and Foles will get the the rest. Dalton will probably start you know the first quarter of the first series or whatever. The um, amount of talent that the Bears have at quarterback with, right now with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, you would want to have Justin Fields sitting on the bench learning from these two because Foles has gotten the has the Super Bowl caliber play and you have Andy Dalton who's been who's the veteran, the Grizzly veteran from from the NFL from years with Cincinnati, you kinda of figure that you wanna have Fields be on the bench for at least I don't know, at least until they either are, if they're still in playoff contention or once the Bears, if the Bears don't make it into the playoffs or don't make a wild card spot, you give them some opportunities towards the end of the season so he can get his feet wet a little bit. But you will want to probably, in my opinion, and this is just me talking to you, uh, if I'm a Bears fan, I would look at it as, okay, we've got somebody for the future, but we've got two possible you know, top tier quarterbacks in front of us right now that could help us, you know, win right now in Nick Foles and in Andy Dalton. Right, and for the record, I'm gonna the Bears aren't making the playoffs this year. That's they're, right. they're 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 too depleted on defense. That that 2018 defense, half the guys are gone to free agency or the cap space issues, and you know, Cleo Max. He's just not very good anymore. Robert Quinn's been a bust, an expensive bust. Uh, Eddie Jackson got paid and regressed. And on offense, uh, other than Allen Robertson, the offensive weapons really aren't that good. Mooney's okay. Darnell Mooney, um, I believe. Um, No, I'm sorry. Yeah, because they got rid of Anthony Miller, who wasn't very good either. They got rid of him. But, you know... 
Foles is a great systems quarterback. When they traded for Foles last year, you know, I was kind of like, man, Nick Foles, uh, but he knows the system. And, and there was times last year before he got hurt and missed the rest of the year that Nick Foles looked, he looked decent on the offense. Uh, Dalton's, Dalton's average at best, but he's a guy who's been there before. I, I think the Bears are... I think the USA USA really came out the other day with their with their record. And the Bears at seven and ten, and I think that's um, I think that's fair. I, I think they're the third third place team in the division. Okay, so, only because so we sure go, going I'm just gonna go for over for the fan for the listeners here. Going over the Bears' schedule for this upcoming season in Week One, there the Sunday night game as they take on the Rams at eight twenty. I think that's a loss, in my opinion. Yes. Then week two, they have their home opener against the Bengals. I think that's a win for them. I think they get their win in their home opener. But then they travel week three to to Cleveland to battle the to battle the Browns, who are just hungry right now, and I think could possibly win the division yet again. I think uh, they'll get a loss there. They host the Lions. I think they win against the Lions in week four. But then they go that, out to that, vi- oh, go sorry, hold on. That that's a, that. First line game, that's in Chicago, right? That's correct. Week four. All right, they probably win that one. Yeah. All, right, All right, and then week five, they go out to Vegas to battle the Raiders. I think that's that a that's a loss. Week six, they go they're home to play Green Bay, and we loss. don't. That's going to probably be a loss. They're at Tampa Bay. That's a loss because of Tom Brady and Gronkowski and Edelman and all of them. We're defending Super Bowl champions. I think that's a loss. They host the 49ers in Week Eight. I think that's a win. I think oh, they. That's a loss. I think they win against the 49ers. Uh, week Nine, they play at Pittsburgh. Lost. I think that's a win because I don't they're think in, this, this. I think they're this, in Pittsburgh. They're in Pittsburgh, and it's an eight fifteen kickoff. I think that's the oh. Monday. I think that's a Monday night game. Oh, okay. All right, and then they're. On the bye in week 10. Week 11, they're at home against Baltimore. I think that's a loss because of Lamar Jackson. On week 12, they play on Thanksgiving at at Detroit. I think that's a win for the Lions, unfortunately, this year. I think, I this, think, I think, I think that's I think it's a split. They're at home against Arizona to battle the Cardinals. I think that's a win. But then they travel in week 14 to Lambeau for a Sunday night game. That's a loss. They're at home against Minnesota. That's a loss. They go to they go to Seattle in the twelfth man on week sixteen. That's a loss. But then they play in week seventeen at home against the G Men. I think that's a win. I think they get a win there. And then they end at Minnesota, and I think that's a loss. So I think I think I agree with with the USA today. I think seven and ten sounds like it could be a possibility for the for the for the Bears, but I could also see it being maybe a six and eleven season for the for the. Well, as you racked off the schedule, there the only wins I think they get is I think they beat the G men. I think they win at home against Detroit, and I think they beat the Bengals, and that's that's about it. For you me. think I they actually... lose to the Cardinals? Oh yeah, the West is the best division in the uh, NFL. Okay. Okay, and remember in the in the preseason. I know we don't talk preseason, but preseason they play Miami, they play Buffalo, and they play Tennessee. So, are any are any of those games national? Which one? The uh, preseason. 
preseason. It looks like maybe the Saturday game is a 7 o'clock kickoff against Tennessee. That might be a national game. But everything else is a 1 o'clock kickoff on a Saturday okay. afternoon. So take that as, as, as you may. And, you know, speaking of, speaking of factories of sadness, let's talk about the Lions. Uh, Jared Goff coming into, the, into Detroit with the trade of Matthew Stafford. It's a win trade now, but I think it might be a loss trade later on. I think Goff, yes, Super Bowl caliber quarterback coming in. I think the team is a little bit better now, and they're they've drafted pretty well. Uh, new coaching staff, new regime. I like him. Do I see them winning the division? Absolutely not. Do I see them getting to eight and eight? Absolutely not. Do I see them winning at least five games? Absolutely not. I see four wins this year, and that's just to be that's co- being completely honest with you. They open up week one at home against San Francisco. That's a win. I think. You're really not big on the Niners this year. Are you? I think. I think the Niners. I'm not that big on the Niners this year because because Goff knows the Niners. I think Goff knows the system. I think Goff wins wins them that game, but week two they go to Lambeau for a for a Sunday night game. I think that's a loss. They go they host Baltimore. They host Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson eats up turf and eats up home game. Eats underneath the dome. I think that's a that's a loss for them. There's two one and two. They go to Chicago. That's a loss. They go to Minnesota. That's a loss. So right there, they're what one and four. They host the Bengals in week six. That's a win. Week seven is the big one for a lot of us Lion fans because that's the Lions will go out to LA to battle the Rams. So it's Stafford versus his old team, Goff versus his old team. I don't understand why that's not a Sunday night game, but we can just we'll take it as a four o five kickoff. I think the Lions get the better of of the Rams. I'll take the Lions to beat the Rams that week. Uh, they host Philadelphia in Week Eight. I think that's a win. That they don't think Philadelphia has been is is reeling still. So there's there's two wins there. So they're now three and four. They have the bye. They go to Pittsburgh. They win in Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh is struggling. And then Week Eleven they go to the Browns and they get slaughtered by the Browns. Week 12 is the Thanksgiving game. They play the Bears. They win in on Thanksgiving for the first time in like four years. They then they go then they host Minnesota. They lose that game. They go out to Mile High to battle the Broncos. That's a loss. I think I think down, that game could be if that could be a game could be iffy for me. I, I I'm tossed up between Denver and and the Lions in that one because both I mean Goff could be. I don't know if he could be injured. He could be okay. Uh, Denver has a quarterback situation going on. We don't know who their starter is going to be. But I, I, if I had to right now, I'd say that Detroit will probably lose that game. They'll play Arizona. That's a, that's a win. They go to Atlanta. That's a win. Matt Ryan is just, a, just atrocious. They go out to Seattle. That's a loss. And they end at Lambeau at home against the Packers, and they lost. So, do I see them winning at least four games? Possibly, yes. If they w- if they could see them winning five games, if you count the Denver game, if you count the Denver game, that's five. 
If you don't count the Denver game, then it's my prediction that I think that they fall at 4-13 and 13 this season. Because we're getting 17, 18 weeks of football this year. So... Well, I think one advantage the Lions had this year, and this is a, a take I have that has I have been just trounced online for this. I think Jared Goff is a better quarterback than Matthew Stafford. Yeah. I think the Lions, well, they got the better quarterback and two first-round picks. Yeah, the Lions won that trade, and it's not even close. Uh, that's that's a lot of situ- – that's a lot of – I mean – it's a lot, but like I said, it's a it's a win now for the Lions now with Goff being the head quarterback and the draft picks, but it could be it could be a loss in the realm that you know Matthew Stafford could help LA get to where they need to be, where they want to be at, and being an elite team. He's I, I there's a reason why I call him Stat Patford. Matt Stafford, you know his numbers look good. But that's because, no offense to your Lions now, as you know, at halftime, they were usually getting blown out. So he was just throwing up numbers in garbage time. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's got 3,000 yards for you? Cool. How many of that was in the second half and they were down by two or three scores? You know what I mean? I get you. Yeah. I get you. Uh, just briefly to look at it, we'll look at the Brown schedule. You know, coming off of a good year from last year, uh, getting it to the A. To the basically the AFC champ, not the AFC championship game, but close enough that they could have, you know, shooken things up. And um, if they would have hold it on that third down play against Kansas City, they would have they would have gotten the football back in good field position. But you know that's just here here or there. They open up at Kansas City. Uh, I think that's a loss. They then. Open up at home against Houston. That's a win. They then play the Bears week three. That's a win. They're two and one there. They go to Minnesota. I think that's a win. Then they play L.A. That's a win. They play Arizona. That's a win. Thursday night football against Denver. That's a win. They play the Steelers for the first time at home. I think that's a win. They play the Bengals at Cincinnati. That's a win. They they then go they then go to New England to battle Cam Newton and the Patriots. I think that's where they get their second loss of the year. I think Belichick pulls something off there, but they get a win the next week against Detroit. But then they lose the following week against Baltimore. Ooh. At Baltimore. Oh, okay. The but the following week in week fourteen they play Baltimore at home. That's a win. In week fifteen, they are at they are at Vegas uh, at home against Vegas. I think that's a win. Week sixteen on Christmas Day, they play at Lambeau. Four thirty kickoff on Christmas Day. I think the Browns fans get a Christmas present. I think they beat Green Bay at Lambeau on Christmas Day. Oh, they definitely do. Anytime Green Bay has to play a real team. Uh, they lose. They are then at Pittsburgh in Week 17. I think this is the first time that they will sweep the series against Pittsburgh, and then they finish up at Week, at week 18 against the Bengal against the Bungles. I think I think we're gonna say it right now. I'm 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 gonna write it down in stone right now and write it on this piece of paper I have right here. I have the Browns winning the the AFC 
the AFC, uh, oh my god, what is it, the AFC, uh, cent- is this not Central, is it Central? A- AFC, cent- yeah, AFC Central. No, for Cleveland? Yeah. That's the North. AFC North, AFC North. I have them winning the AFC North. I'm writing this down as of 8-8 eight, eight of 2021. The Browns will win the AFC North. I think so too. I really think that they're retooled, they're rebuilt, they're ready to go, and have how they're running right now. I think I think Pittsburgh Pittsburgh after last year and what they look like this year. I know it's just I know it's just preseason, and I know it's just the Hall of Fame game, but looking at it, they're not really impressive to me. How many starters played? That game, though. Not that many starters, but but you know, Big Ben is not Big Ben anymore. That's true. That's not. That's true. Absolutely true. Uh, your thoughts on the Rogers situation? Oh, all right. Here's the thing about Aaron Rodgers: is this whole thing was just stupid and ridiculous. Rogers is uh, a phenomenal talent, sure. I think he's a bit overrated. I know, hot take. Um, <laughs> but this whole thing was just drawn out because he's a narcissist, he's a diva, he's an attention whore. You know, oh, am I going to play? Am I not going to play? You knew he was coming back. Anyone who didn't think he was coming back was stupid. And I know our guy, Big Cat, you know, thought yeah. hope he was going to come back, but he was coming back. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he got some some things he wanted, but at the end of the day, Green Bay won because they still get their quarterback. Mm-hmm. They only lost him for a year. Yeah, he gets to have some input in personnel decisions. Blah blah blah. But um, you know, I don't know. It just it just. Scream me me me! Look at me! I I think it was just. Did you really? Did you really think that he would leave Green Bay to go host Jeopardy? No. No. Oh. You think? You let me ask you a question. uh, Personal question with regarding of him. You think that him and Shailene Woodley? Do you think Shailene Woodley is like really leading him into what he's becoming? Like he's the like she's the new Yoko Ono when it comes to playing football because. He, she was like pursuing him to, you know, become the better person and be this, that, and the other. And they're dating each other, and they're out there hiking and playing, and playing hiking, and you know, and out in the woods and shit like that. And you know, and he and she's like influencing his career and stuff like that. Do you think that that played a little bit of the factor as well? No, he's always been like this. Okay. The last couple off seasons, he's been like, oh, you know, I. I'm pouty and I'm, uh, no, Aaron Rodgers is just—he's just how he's always been. This was the biggest deal that's been made about it. It's been the most extreme he's acted, but in essence, he's always been like this. Yeah, right. And I just don't respect the guy either. <laughs> well, I mean, if if he would have left, that division would have been opened up to to the most, to the max, in my opinion. I think that that yeah, would have been an open division. And 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 our our division would be open, wide open to the fact that you know it could be Minnesota, it could have been you guys, it could have been even the Lions at the same time. I disagree. I think if he would have, I think if he would have 
left, I think it would have been the Vikings division easily. Possibly, yeah. Possibly, yes. So, I do, so I do disagree with you there. Oh, you disagree? Well, we agree to disagree at the same time. I agree on some things. You agree on some things. Yeah. That's, uh, but that's just that's what that's what it is. Uh, just yeah, I was gonna ask ask you, did you watch any of the Olympics by chance? No, I don't really care for the Olympics anymore. I, it's just not really my thing. Yeah, I, I just want to say that you know I want to congratulate Team USA, you know, getting the number one overall spot in medals. They had over a hundred. They over had over hundred and three medals. They beat China in the gold race. Uh, we dominated this year in basketball, in both the men's, women's, and the three-on-three. We finally got a gold medal in 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 women's volleyball, beating Brazil in the gold medal game this afternoon. Um, let's just say here, also wanted to make mention, oh yeah, and I also wanted to congratulate also Team USA in baseball. Team USA baseball gets a silver. They lose to Japan in the final, uh, but it was it was Japan with the gold, United States with silver, and the Dominican Republic gets the bronze. So there's that for you. And it was Mike Sosha that was running Team USA as the manager. So, but it was mostly it was mostly college kids, as well as um, there was some like minor leaguers sprinkled in there. Um, but one of the cool features of that whole thing Nick was uh the 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 way that the bullpens were situated you know the bullpens were way out there in the outfield and they would transport these players in a golf cart from the outfield to the pitching mound and the golf cart was basically the pitcher would sit in the golf cart and the golf the chair of the golf cart was a catching mitt so they would sit in the mitt as they were getting pulled up to the pitching mound and they would go out and do their warm-up tosses Beforehand, so I thought that was pretty cool. It kind of it's kind of Japanese in nature for that to happen, like the old days, like it used to be in the seventies and eighties when they would drive around and drop players off instead of running it from the outfield onto the mound. No, that sounds pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, uh, the Olympics are done. So thank God. So the situation, the Olympics are now done. We now go to 2022, which is the next Olympics, which is next year. We're about six months away from the next Olympics, which is the Winter Olympics, which are in Beijing, China. Uh, this will be the first time that the Olympics will be held in Beijing. It will be the second time, first time that the Summer and the Winter Olympics will be held in the same, same city. Contact. Same city. Oh, Beijing's going to get Beijing's get 2022, and they hosted it also, remember, in twenty. In, in 2008. Oh, that's right, yeah. And in 2022, they got the winter and the summer games. So, And they're going to use a lot of the same venues for, like, the opening ceremonies for the winter, for the winter games outdoors. Uh, yeah. They've got a lot of their stuff. And uh, it looks like, going back a little bit to the hockey situation, it looks like the IOC is going to approve the NHL going there. So that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. We could take we could take it as that. I I liked it back in the in the Piu Zhang games when you had the all when you had the amateurs playing and the college kids playing, but then that showed that the United States wasn't ready because we just lost in like the quarterfinals, and it was yeah. for, they were playing against a Russia team that was basically full of KHLers and old former NHL players. 
and they were playing against like the Czech Republic, who is the Czech Republic who has the same players that are that were played in the United States, aka they used to have Pavel Datsuk from the Detroit Red Wings. So yeah, uh, I could I can see why that we we lost in the in the game. So hopefully, you know, with the NHLers coming back. That's a good sign. So, and then the Summer Games 2024 in Paris, in Paris, France. Uh, that's going to be cool to see. Oh, that. Are they, are they, they're in Paris? They're in Paris in 2024. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, they're, they're going to have a, a, the beach volleyball. It's gonna, They're building a stadium outside of the Eiffel Tower where it's going to be at. So, the backdrop of the beach volleyball court will be the Eiffel Tower. Really? Yeah. All right. I saw some of the renderings today when they were announcing the, the when they they transferred the Olympic flag from from the Japan uh, committee to the Paris committee, and they're going to have a a a uh, Olympic flag flying over the Eiffel Tower when the games happen, and it's going to be about the size of two soccer fields. Oh really? So that's gonna be that's gonna be cool to see that. I mean, I mean the Olympic. I I like the I like the winter more than the summer. The the summer aspect of the games, you know, this year they had BMX and skateboarding, and you know this year they had three on three basketball. They had karate, some new new things. I just hope that they add more things. There is there's talk of adding a few more things to golf, more things to um to the Olympics. Um, I like the golf situation. There was, there's talks of them adding disc golf in 2024. I, I don't know if that's oh, nice. I think that's pretty, that's going to be pretty cool. Um, yeah. I, one of them was, they were talking about adding was billiards and also darts. And I'm like, that's more like in a winter game kind of a thing. You know, you're playing those in like the winter months when you're waiting for like the, for everything to warm up outside, you know, you're in the yeah. bar, you're in the pubs, you're in the bars, and you're playing, or you're you're going to miscues, and you're playing at, you're playing at the, you're playing nine ball in the billiard room, or you're playing darts at the pub, or you're, you know, and mostly all those players that are playing darts are going to be all English people because, uh, or or from or from Denmark. I know, like one of my favorites is Michael Van Gerwen from. From uh from the the PC the PDL uh, the PDL the uh, professional dart league, he's pretty cool. So um I don't know any but a lot of the, a lot of them are all over in Europe and in England that are gonna be the dominant, and they that's what they want they want the European. More European sports to be in the Olympics and, the twenty twenty four games they were talking about it today, that they want to make it more youth friendly. And they want to make it more for the young people to enjoy. So more BMX, more skateboarding, more... Because this was the first year that they did skateboard, BMX, and everything like that. So, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see, for sure. It'd be definitely interesting to see. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's going to be interesting to see how it all... Shakes out, and now there'll be a there'll be a two week time period between this between the end of the Olympics, and then we have the Paralympics, which will start, which is the the Paralympics Paralympic Olympic Games for like 
for the for wheelchairs and for people with disabilities and stuff like that. That will be taking place uh-huh. in Tokyo as well. So, so you watch that? I'll watch a little bit of it. I like I I like I like seeing the stories and everything like that. But you know they don't get the coverage that like 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 the regular Olympics get. You know, right. and I watched most of my coverage this year with being on CBC and and uh, the CBC had the coverage of the of the games. And you know the only problem I had with this Olympics, Nick, and I'll and I'll I'll give this as my Andy rants tonight is because of the thirteen hour time difference, and NBC yeah. really you know, pardon my language, they really fucked up this game system, because they had so many platforms that they can use MSNBC, CNBC, as well as they used USA Network plenty of times, and NBCSN because NBCSN's going off the air as of January first. So they got to use that platform up as much as they can. So they taped a lot of their a lot of the Olympic events, and then they would replay it. And then when it was a live event, they would show it only on like USA Network or for or on CNBC, like on the cable networks. Whereas they could be showing it on NBC when you're the head coverage for the United States. You want to show every event possible that's live, but the, because of the time difference, it really screws it up. So, like, I would wake up in the morning, and I would see the night events, like the eight. Like I would wake up at like seven o'clock in the morning, and it's eight a eight p.m. over there, and seven a.m. here. I'm watching the night events here, and then when I'm when I'm getting ready to go to bed, like there's just starting the marathons and starting the events and stuff like that, and. You know, the only thing that I really enjoyed was, and I watched it tremendously, and you know how big of a fan I am of it, and that was the women's golf. I thought that was fantastic. They did a fantastic job of coverage. It was on the Golf Channel. Uh, They hit every part of that really well. And the cool thing was, like, the event would start, like, they would start the women's golf at, like, 6.30 in the evening, and it'd be done by like nine or ten o'clock at night, so I would have something to watch all night between watching the Reds, the Tigers, and the Indians. I would be watching golf at the same time. So, well, I, I got a question for you. Yeah, you didn't like the way NBC did it. So, in contrast, how did CBC do the the time zone difference? CBC did a really good job with it. They promoted. They didn't. They kept it. They kept it middle ground when it comes to sports when it came to it. Yes, they showed a little can- Canadian bias to like the athletes, but they would show more live events, in my opinion, than anything else. Like I was watching when the Olympics first started, they they put on um, uh, Australia versus the Netherlands in soccer, and it was a live feed of it at like 9 a.m. in the morning in our time, so it was 10 o'clock over there, and they were showing it live. There would be no point of watching, you know, it on NBC or CNBC if it was not um, not an American team playing. You know, right. they're showing they're showing the full Olympics, and even though I do have the Olymp- I have the Olympic channel on our cha- on our channel guide here, I, I I would still watch, you know, the I would still watch the coverage of you know of these two other teams because. Down the road, if I have to watch, if the United States or Canada is playing this team, you know, I already seen some of the players and some of the names, and it was nice. It was nice to see that the Canadian women's team 
finally won a gold medal in soccer. They've been working on their program for like the last 15 to 20 years. And to have them win the gold in beating, beating Australia in penalty kicks and have the United States get the bronze, you know, it, 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 just, it was just perfect. It was just absolutely perfect to see the, that, you know, it comes full circle that the Canadian team is finally, that the Canadian soccer team can finally put the bed that, you know, in this Olympic Games, they are better than the United States. So. Yeah. And I, I, pre- I can appreciate that. Now, with the CBC broadcasters, how many of the hockey people, like, did Jim Houston make any calls? No. It was just one guy from the hockey broadcast, from the hockey broadcast that was doing play by play, and he was doing the track and field, and he's the one that does like the three o'clock games on CBC when they did the after, when they do the triple headers. Remember when they yeah. do like the afternoon game, the three o'clock game, and then they would have the break, and then they would have the seven o'clock game with Jim Houston and Craig Simpson, and then there would be the ten o'clock game with the other two guys. That would be yep. doing it, or if Craig, or Craig Simpson, and and um, and the, and uh, Jim Houston would do the ten o'clock game. It was the, it was the three o'clock guy that did it, and you know he does he does a fantastic job. I forget his name off the top of my head, but you know he was he was absolutely fantastic. Whereas when you're watching the NBC feed, to be all honest, to be honest, and what I I found out from our friend Kevin. Is that all of those feeds were just getting fed to a broadcaster who was broadcasting it from Stanford, Connecticut, whereas there was actually people boots on the ground in Tokyo for CBC. Oh, okay. So there's no, no, what, like no. you had Kenny Albert doing doing water polo, and he's doing water polo from a TV screen. With a color analyst who's, who says, oh, I need to see a better replay of that. I'm like, why aren't you there then? Yeah. If you if you got to see a better replay, you got to be there to be there. Like there would be some people, and you know what got me the most, Nick? What's like that? they'd have during the swimming swimming meet, with that uh, Katie Ledecky and all that situation, they had Michelle Tafoya doing the doing the uh, interviews from the pool. I looked when they when she was there for the first time for the water for the pool interviews. I said, "Where's Al Michaels and where's Chris Collinsworth?" Because Michelle's always the one that does the sideline and reporting for Sunday Night Football. I said, "So you hired the Sunday Night Football lady to be the reporter for the for the pool." Okay. Okay. Did Chirico or Michaels do any? uh, Chirico did the daytime shift. For for um, for uh, for MB, for NBC, he did mostly the did most of the anchoring. And you know what? The one thing I was shocked for, I did not see Bob Costas. Oh, thank God! I didn't see Bob Costas out there. I didn't see, I didn't see. I saw Liam McHugh a couple times. I saw the chick that does the MB, NHL and NBC at the same time too, a couple times on the CNBC page. But you know. I didn't see any of the hockey, you know, like the hockey people that usually do it, you know, doing it. So that yeah. that's a good thing. Um, getting back to you earlier, you brought up a point about how uh, 
the the uh, you know NHL is going to ESPN, ABC, whatever. How do you feel? Are you going to miss NHL on NBC, or are you are you glad it's going back to ESPN? I you know last year when Doc Emmerich dropped, uh, I watched most of the coverage on CBC with Hockey Night in Canada for the Stanley Cup Final. I did not enjoy the broadcast. I did not enjoy the broadcast on the NBC feed for the Stanley Cup Final. Um, I'm glad that the NHL is going to ESPN because I do like the class of characters that are going to be running the the ship there. I yes, do like a lot of the old people, right? A lot of the old back. people. John Butcher Gross is going to be doing it. Linda Cohen's coming back. Uh, Steve Levy. You have uh, you'll have of course. Yeah, I like Kevin Weeks is coming in now. Um, and by the way, remember too, Nick, it's a dual partnership. So you're getting you're getting games not only on ESPN on ABC, but also Turner Sports owns rights yeah. to the NHL. Yeah. So I'm thinking yeah. I, I was thinking about this the other night. I said, okay, how is this gonna work? I think the NHL will go to Turner on Mondays and Fridays. And I think that ABC, ESPN will get the games Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then they'll get weekend games that they can throw onto the ABC networks. Because you think Monday, it's wrapped up for Monday Night Football. Yeah. Monday Night Football is on ESPN, so Turner will get that. Tuesday is usually NBA on TNT nights, so Turner can't get that, so ESPN will get the coverage for that. Wednesday could Wednesday TNT shows that All Elite Wrestling, so they can't show that. So Thursday, Thursday is another TNT NBA night, so Friday would be the other night that they would get hockey. So Monday yeah. and Friday they could get us they could possibly get Sunday as well. So then you would well, have, then so you would have ABC and ESPN getting Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and then poss- and then ABC getting a Saturday night game as well as a Sunday night game. But then you also have to play into the factor that you know the Stanley Cup final happens. Okay. Yeah, I know the, I know the rotating conference the playoffs between the two like one year ESPN will get to East, Turner will get to West and they rotate. Yeah. It's the same way what it is in the NBA. So that the West will go towards Turner, the East will go to the East will go to the to ESPN. And then ESPN and ABC owns the rights to the Stanley Cup final for one year. Turner owns another right the next the following year, so it's like almost like the it's almost like the Super Bowl where four four all four networks get the chance to bid on it. Yeah. So it'll go back and forth between the two networks. So there's that. But like I said to you off the off air, NHL TV is no longer going to be available in the United States. So if you have an NHL TV package and if you're watching, let's say you have the package here in the United States and you want to watch the Leafs. You're gonna to have to buy by ESPN Plus to watch the Leafs play, which I, uh, I I think that's I think that's kind of atrocious because I like watching the games on on the NHL TV app. So then I could just you know I have it already plugged into my TV. I just pop the screen on, 
pops the jacket game on. I just watch the game in its entirety. If the jackets aren't playing, I go find another game that's happening. Like if I want to watch the Leafs, if I want to watch the Hawks, if I want to watch, I want to watch Seattle play. I can pop that on. You know, now you gotta have to have the ESPN Plus app, which I already have because I get because we have the bundle already between me and me and Amanda, my fiance. We have the we have the bundle because she has Hulu, and oh, I have dude. ESPN Plus, and she's also dude, got right. so we got, and she's got Verizon, yeah. So she gets the she gets the bundle. She gave me the ESPN Plus, so I and she's got Disney Plus too, so we have the bundle. So I have ESPN Plus, and I was watch I had to watch ESPN Plus to watch BG play football. So that's just that's just the way it is. Yeah, I got ESPN Plus, but I don't know if I get it on my TV or not. I, I'm checking it right now, actually. You, you saying that it made me... I had to turn on Vizio, see if I... Uh, you should be. If you have the ESPN app on your on your TV, then it should have enough power to get ESPN Plus. Well, I'm saying about the app on my TV at all. Okay. Uh, the, um, I got Disney Plus on here, Netflix, Hulu, all that shit, iHeartRadio... I don't see ESPN Plus. Let's see. Let me search. Do you have the e- Do you have just the ESPN app? No. Okay. And I had to download it into your app store that they have there with the Vizio phone with the TV. Yeah, that's that's what I'm looking at right now. Let's see. Search. Search. Yeah, I can't believe that. Oh, yeah. Not that we're home at night anyway. Uh, you know, if if I'm off at I work throughout the week and my nights off, uh, I spend it with the lady. And you know, I know a lot of people they do miss me. Yeah. But I, I do it myself. I chose to because I like spending time with her. No, I do not have ESPN Plus on my TV. Unbelievable! Wow. I cannot believe that. Yeah. Wow! And Vizio is a sponsor of ESPN. That's that's. That's, that's a that's a that's a shot. That's a pretty big sin. That's a pretty pretty big sin. There's a lot of stupid apps on here too. Voodoo, BET Plus, CW. I mean, come on, Zumo, Filmrise, Fawesome. Uh, no ESPN. Coco Melon. All oh, the kids will love that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, that little that little one. The guy he loves Coco Melons. Ah, ah. Dude's crying about something here. Watch, here, watch Wheels on the Bus for the ten thousandth fucking time. <laughs> speaking of, speaking of that, um, we're coming to the end of the end of our the show tonight. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about. I know you're a big video game buff. I wanted to give you my thoughts on the Mario the Mario Golf game. I really like it. I really do. I know you've got a lot of people that you know have reviewed it, and you said that people really don't like it. And yeah, really, I, it's not very popular so far. I really like it. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Hot Shot Golf a little bit from me oh, from the from the from the PlayStation. But I like it. Uh, my fiance likes it. Uh, we've got new games, new games from the Switch. I wanted to share with you. We've got we got a we got another family game for everybody in her house. We got Family Feud. It was like twenty dollars. I wanted to bu- wanted to buy it. Got it there. I got uh, the new. I got, I got for myself. I bought uh, PGA Golf 2K21. That's actually a pretty cool game. I really like the graphics. I really like all that. But I, we did buy the Super Mario Deluxe, Super Mario U Deluxe. Uh, 
And we're, oh, yeah. We're playing that. Uh, got the Mario Golf. I've got that, and that was fantastic. And we also, um, I forget, what was, the, what was the last one I got? Uh, I forget the last one I got. Oh, my God. I just remember seeing it. Oh, my God. It's off the top. I, I, I know what it is off the top of my head. I had to I had to remember, but the Family Feud game is okay. I, 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 it, it's okay. Uh, it's just okay. Uh, the, the Mar the Super Mario U Deluxe, we really like playing that, especially with it being a two-player game. Yes. And, uh, Amanda plays it as the, between, as the Luigi and that, and that purple character. The purple. Oh, Nabbit. Nabbit, yeah. She plays between that, and that's pretty cool. Uh, like I said, the 2K golf game, I play that a lot when she's not, when she's, she's asleep, and I enjoy playing as either Rory McIlroy or as myself, um, and then, uh, the Mario Golf game, if, if I have to give it a rating out of five, I give it about a four, a solid four, solid four, I really, I really like it, um, the, the, it's simple to understand, it's simple to play, um, I just wish that, you know, more of the courses were a lot more easier, you know, yeah. a lot more more user-friendly to play. Um, I, I, I like it. I, I really do. I, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a really cool game. I really do. And if, if you, if you want to buy something, if you want to buy a game for that, you know, that's, that's one of them. You know, and we down. I downloaded that Pac-Man '99. I thought that's pretty cool. The one where you play, where you play as the Pac-Man, and then you play against, you battle against people around the world. I thought that was really cool. See, I haven't, uh, I haven't done Pac-Man '99 yet. Um, the Mario game is pretty fun. Yeah, I, I have it for Wii U. I have it for Switch. Um. I did. I did buy a Mario Golf game, but uh, my my coworker friend at work gave me a Wii U gift card. I still have a Wii U, yeah. um, and I bought. I actually bought Mario Golf sixty four. Oh yeah, so I gotta play that at some point. Uh, what I've been playing lately? Well, for a while I was trying one hundred percent Yoshi's Island. I stopped. Stopped that. It's about half. About over halfway through doing that. Uh, well, I was, I haven't played this in a couple weeks, but I've been playing Earthbound, okay. uh, lately. Earth, Earthbound is a, uh, 90s Super Nintendo RPG, uh, it flopped, it flopped when it first came out, no one's really sure why, but it's, uh, I'm, I'm not really big in RPGs, you know, I, I like Pokemon, I like, uh, Diablo, and that's about it, but it's, it's a very unique game, um. If our viewers want to know more about Earthbound, the best the best thing I can recommend is watch the Angry Video Game Nerds review uh, on Earthbound. Now, some of the stuff he says is a bit exaggerated, but he has to because it's part of the part of the character play. But yeah, watch uh, watch AVGN's Earthbound review. That's that's it's pretty good. Some some of the game. Okay. Okay. Yes. And now now we're getting into that time of year where they're going to release a lot of the video games. Because we're getting closer into the holiday season, yes. Do you have anything that you will want our our listeners to know? The circle that like, hey, we you got to get this game coming out. It's going to be pretty cool. This pretty cool to see because I know you were watching the 
the switch the switch announcements a few weeks ago and you were you were you were critic you were criticizing on why are they releasing this and why are they releasing that yeah i i don't really have anything that i can recommend per se but i personally am pretty excited about the uh the switch release of uh pokemon diamond and pearl that was the fourth generation game originally on the DS, I believe, maybe on the Game Boy Advance, but I think it was on the DS. And uh, I, I stopped playing Pokemon um, after Generation Three, which was we were in middle school at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I skipped four through seven. I did, I did buy and play uh, Sword and Shield, which came out a couple years ago. I think twenty nineteen, maybe. But um, so I'm excited about that. The rest of the games uh, look okay, but I- I'm really personally excited and curious about uh, Pokemon. Okay, great. You know that's great. I mean, it's, yes. it's one of it's one of those things. I know the new Madden's coming out. I know the new FIFA is coming out as well. Uh, I know FIFA's going to be on the on the Switch. Am I correct on that? I believe so. I, I believe you are correct. Yeah. So so FIFA will be coming out for that, and no. Uh, and we we discussed this long time ago on our on our old podcast that we did. Is that that would someday would Madden be someday available onto the Switch? And we were both both kind of in agreement of yes. In some aspects, it just could be just in the U.S. market, but. When you look at Nintendo, it's more like a worldwide market, and soccer's more the worldwide sport compared to what the NFL is. Yes. So. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right because you know American football is not really big um, outside of USA and you know Canada. Yeah. So I I stand by that. I stand by that. You stand by that statement. Yeah, stand oh. by that. Perfect. Uh, anything else you want to talk about tonight, right here on on the podcast? Ooh, uh, I I have not. I you, uh, I'm. I know I always say this every time, uh, but I am trying to restart. I know I start made a Facebook page, but I'm I'm trying to start a new uh, new baseball blog. I, are you I the baseball? Are you the baseball janitor that I got that I got sent to me? Of course I am. Of course you are. <laughs> no, I ch- I changed the account to beat the shift. I might change it back when I think of a new better name. I'm, I'm still trying to ponder names. Uh, I'm still trying to think of content. Uh, you know, I actually I, I discovered eBay, um, and I, I really probably shouldn't have because I I, I bought things. Oh. Uh, I yeah I baseball things. I want to give you a quick uh, recap. Oh. Of what I bought, nothing too pricey, nothing too pricey. Uh, but I did buy. Let's see, I'm on the app right now. Um, how the fuck do you work this? Uh, buy again. So I bought a 19. I don't. I don't know the year, but I bought a old, old. I'm guessing. Guessing by the logo and the way it's designed. I'm guessing this is the 1960s, 50s, maybe, uh, magnet for your fridge. Okay. Uh, I bought, man, where the hell did it go? I bought a 1990 White Sox yearbook. Okay. Uh, that was from the last year at Community Park. My dad actually 
bought it when he went with uh, my half-brother, Joseph, in 1990, but it got destroyed in the flood, so I, I bought a new one to replace that one. Okay. And I bought for very cheap, because I, I, looked, I looked for free shipping, because that's what you got to look out for on eBay. Yep. A 1964 Chicago White Sox yearbook. Ooh, wow. Yeah, I'm excited to browse through that. The cover is a painting of Old Comiskey Park with the fireworks going off, and there's a bunch of old ads and uh, stuff. So actually, when I get that, I, uh, if you want, you can we can meet up somewhere at your house, my place, wherever we can look at that together. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to take a look at that. That's some that's some re- that's some history right there. Yeah, fifty. Uh, oh no, shit! Almost almost sixty year old yearbook. So Hopefully it's in mint condition. Yeah, it says it says it's good. The pages turn yellow because that's what you know pages do when they get old. Yeah. Regardless of the condition, they they turn that brown uh, beige uh, color. So, uh, but yeah, I'm really excited. There's also one in here I might buy. Next page is from 1952. It's the first official team yearbook. It's only six ninety nine. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I honestly, I was trying to find a Comiskey Park brick, but that uh, I couldn't find one this time. Could you find so. seats? I'm sorry. Could you find seats from Comiskey Park? Oh yeah, no, they're really expensive, and uh, you know, tax return time is six months away, and I, I want to use that for closing costs on my house. But I'm no. I'm, re- I'm really tempted to blow that on. Comiskey Park seats, but I'm not sure how well they go over. If uh, you know, she says, "Hey, we got the money for the you know, for the closing cost of our new house," and I say, "Well, I I bought seats from a hundred year old ballpark. I I don't think that would. Uh, I don't think that would go over very well. No, she would probably. Uh, yeah, she'd be pissed. Yeah. But I did find two going through my box of collectibles. Yeah. That's why I sent you the snap the other day. You didn't respond. But I found my 1984 uh, durable, washable White Sox spice vats from your hometown pizza. Fork ball? I don't even have a fork ball. Oh, maybe that uh, pizza. <laughs> yeah, that's why I, I found those. And that's why I... Uh, you sent me the Snapchat of fork ball. Yeah, maybe I should make a uh, blog post about my memorabilia. Because I got a lot of shit here. Yeah. Uh, you know, Chris, Chris Klein, you call him the town drunk, skateboarding punk, whatever of... Uh, Clay Center Clay, Town, yeah. But he actually, he's the one that bought me the place mats, uh, which is very nice of him. I wasn't expecting that. He, say, he saved all his quarters that he was usually taking to the bar to get a beer to buy you those place mats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, now, he claims, he claims, him and Trish will claim up and down that they bought me a Comiskey Park brick one time, but I'm pretty sure if somebody would have ever bought me a Comiskey Park brick, I'm pretty sure uh, I would, A, remember that, and B, I'd have it somewhere, Yeah, you know, safe. That's important. Yeah, so I don't think they, I think they think they did. Yeah. I believe that they think that they did, but I don't think they actually did. Mm-hmm. So, Nick, where can they, where can our listeners find your stuff as well as, uh, like all your all your video game reviews and your janitorial food reviews, where can we all find your stuff at? 
Okay, well, you can find me on any social media account because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hip and young. Yeah. And uh, Vipres, N-I-C-K-O-F-Y-P-R-E-S. You can find my current Tumblr baseball blogs at um, beattheshift.tumblr.com and southsiderepublic.tumblr.com. But those are going to be... Uh, Absolutely. Uh, close, close down soon, but I am going to uh, merge posts. Actually, I have a tentative name for my current site. Uh, or, no, no, I don't have one yet. Never mind. I'm okay. sorry. Uh, you can follow me on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, beat the Shift on Facebook, but that name will be changed to the new blog once I finally get around to um, you know doing that. Perfect. Yes. All right, perfect. Nick, it's been a truly a great pleasure to have you back on the program. Uh, we'll have you probably back on before the start of the football season so we can get the, the NFL preview so we can get your predictions on how the season's going to shape up. And uh, looking forward to talk to you soon, brother. I would like to do that, but I have I have one request. Okay. If we're going to do a, a football preview show, we have to do a rights before we do the show, we have to go somewhere and eat a ton of hot wings. I am down with that. Totally down Maybe with we'll, that. We'll do it like on a Saturday or Sunday when I'm off and just stuff our mouths with wings and then sit in the car and go, whoa, in agony, talk about how bad the, our bears and lions are going to be this year. This, exactly. Exactly. I yeah. am totally down with that. Okay. We'll, right. we'll talk. We'll, we'll keep in touch. Your, your people will talk to my people, and we'll get that all situated. Yes. All right, sir. Good talking to you. You too, buddy. All right. This has been Nick, the Money Man DeVera, right here on All Andy Elford's podcast tonight. That's going to be all for the program tonight. Hope you enjoyed this special conversation with my old broadcast partner, Nick the Money Man DeVere. You can follow his stuff, like, like he said, any of the social media platforms. does most of his stuff on Twitter. It is at Nick of Ebre. We'll follow, have the link on our podcast for all his content, as well as follow our show as well at All Andy Elford. Until then, this is Andy Elford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together, the game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home, Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys soon for another edition of All Andy Alfred. Love you, guys. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alfred Network powered by Anchor. You have been listening to Andy right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, Leaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. And remember, you can follow Andy on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford. Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. Podcasts are posted every Tuesday and Friday right here on the Anchor Network.